0: Shoes. What's the matter,
1: Morty? Coral. The my the thing. Great
0: gowns. Oral. Beautiful gowns.
1: Fashion has changed. The oh, it has Hi, I'm Lauren Garoni, and I'm Chelsea Fairless,
0: and today we won't be talking about Sex in the City, or shall I say, and just like that. Yes,
1: this is a Che Diaz free zone.
0: We're going to be talking about pop culture things, because if you just started listening to our podcast because of our And Just Like That recap episodes, this is what we were doing before
1: and probably will be doing afterwards. I mean, we certainly will be doing it afterwards. I'm also psyched because we're together again. I no longer have COVID. God bless. And neither do I. We touch- <laughs> We just touched hands. It's very beautiful. <sighs> it's, I mean, it's a relief. But it's not a relief because I no longer get to watch TV for like eight hours a day. I mean, you can. I can. It's just like frowned upon by society. That's true. But I feel like everyone who had a nine to five that now
0: works from home just does that. Like I watched my friend once come over and she was like, hold on. I just need to
1: move my mouse. So it seems like I'm available. God, everyone is such slackers now. The pandemic has really killed everyone's work ethic.
0: Yeah, well, we have not talked about, I mean, we personally have talked about pop culture stuff because we are friends and this is all we do, but we haven't gotten a chance to discuss it on the podcast, so we thought we would kind of do a a review of all the things we've missed since we've been talking about and just
1: like that. Exactly, so to kick things off, we wanted to do a roundup of crimes, deaths, and feuds. Oh my. (laughs) Uh, Shall we start with crimes?
0: Always. Uh, On December 29th, I almost said Ghislaine again. (laughs) Ghislaine Maxwell, age 60, was found guilty of five federal charges of sex trafficking of a minor, transporting a minor with the intent to engage in criminal sexual activity, and three related counts of conspiracy tied to her relationship and grooming with Jeffrey Epstein of underage girls between the years
1: 1994 and 2004. Yeah, she's a full monster, as we know. Thank God she was convicted. I was getting a little nervous there. There was
0: a lot of discourse in the last few weeks before her conviction of like, you know, maybe it won't happen because, you know, you can't convict someone because you really want to convict Jeffrey Epstein of what he did. And I was like, do you know the American justice system? Yes, we can.
1: (laughs) Yeah. But I also felt like, I don't know, like there wasn't that much public attention on the trial. Like it just kind of I don't know. I was just, I was convinced that she was going to get off. <clears throat> and I know a lot of people that were following it more closely were like concerned with the prosecution and all of all of that stuff. But, you know, she faces up to 65 years in prison. God bless. Her lawyers are trying
0: to challenge the conviction because one of the jurors afterwards shared with the press their experience of being sexually abused as a child. Her lawyers, of course, are going to try to use that to get the conviction overturned. So right now the defense, this was yesterday, the defense is trying to throw
1: out the perjury charge. Okay, but like what jury doesn't have one person that hasn't been sexually assaulted? That's just like not possible to find. I'm just telling you. There were no cameras allowed in the courtroom, which was unfortunate, although it meant that we did get some really stunning courtroom illustrations. I don't know if you saw any of them. I did. They were not very positive to Ghislaine. <laughs> no. No. But some of them had a kind of whimsical quality, like looked like maybe she could be the villain in like a Roald doll book or something. Chelsea, be honest. Do you have an eBay alert for Ghislaine <laughs> Maxwell courtroom art right now? <laughs> uh, it also like what I learned from the courtroom sketches is that Ghislaine is one of those people that wears a mask underneath their nose which is a big pet peeve of mine like i'd rather them just like not, <laughs> not wear, wear a mask, mask at yeah. all anyway good riddance Speaking of
0: diabolical girl bosses, (laughs) last week, Elizabeth Holmes, founder of the failed blood testing startup Theranos, was found guilty on four charges of defrauding investors. Holmes's defense argued that, you know, as the CEO of Theranos, she simply made mistakes that led to the downfall of the uh, seemingly promising startup, while the prosecution alleged she intentionally misled investors and patients about the value and capabilities of the company.
1: At one point, Theranos was valued at $9 billion so insane I mean she's pretty soulless but compared to Ghislaine it seems like she's like Jane Goodall or some shit Truly apples and uh, jackfruit.
0: (laughs) (laughs) However, the thing that I do want to bring up is somehow in between her criminal charges, trial and conviction, Elizabeth Holmes met, married and had a child (laughs) with an heir to a hospitality fortune who is eight
1: years her junior. Uh, I mean, yeah, it really, this, this conviction, you know, she could get what she was convicted of like on four counts and they each she could are get, like 20 years for each or something. Uh,
0: right? Yeah. She could get 20 years in jail.
1: It makes you wonder why she chose to have a baby so recently. Like, I think it was like last summer that she had that kid, right? Yeah, no, she's a full sociopath. She
0: wanted to seem sympathetic to the jury. What are you talking about? This is like full Amy Dunn, Gone Girl behavior. yeah. And she has like rope this family so much that the father-in-law, the hotel magnate himself, hung out at the courthouse during during jury selection and posed as a
1: concerned citizen. Did you not know? No, this? that's fucked. I just really like wish I could understand how Elizabeth Holmes was so intoxicating to so many people. Oh, that. whatever that
0: documentary was or was it the Bad Blood podcast where they just kept talking about how men thought she was the sexiest, most beautiful woman in the world. I'm like, did they have those Simpsons beer goggles or something? Like, I'm sorry, no
1: offense, that's so rude. It's not even that she's not pretty. I mean, if she's no, if she's she got pretty. a full like Carolyn Bessette Kennedy makeover, like she'd be fierce. But she's not good at hiding how crazy she is. Like, she has crazy eyes.
0: What do you mean, Chelsea? (laughs) This is the surefire way I can freak the shit out of Chelsea is when I do my Elizabeth Holmes impression. Never say goodbye to another person too soon. Ugh. God, I need a tell all interview where it's just like, why did you think buying Izzy Miyake black turtlenecks would bring you closer to Steve Jobs and greatness? Why
1: the deep voice? I mean, that is the only thing I understand the logic of. (laughs) And I hope she has little Izzy Miyake turtlenecks for the baby for bebe. In other criminal news, Robert Durst is dead. Ding dong, the Durst is dead. Good riddance to that asshole. Although it feels unfair in the way that Jeffrey Epstein's death felt unfair because he was born into one of the richest families in New York, just actively killed people for much of his adult life, and uh, was only really convicted like... I think that was like in the fall, summer, maybe. And he died of natural causes, which is like, fuck that. Well, the obit's confusing because they're like, well, he got COVID last
0: September and then he got transferred to a medical unit and then it, it worsened, but then he,
1: it also made existing conditions worse. So to back things up, Robert Durst was the subject of an HBO true crime docuseries called The Jinx that really did create a demand for the genre, right?
0: Yes, The Jinx has an apex ending that even if you never watch the series, you probably know that no true crime series will ever live up to.
1: Right, because they actually solved the crime.
0: Because Robert Durst is such a psychopath, he allowed himself to be interviewed. How he was convicted was he went to the bathroom while doing these interviews while still having his mic pack on and then was like, I had to do it. They all knew. I did it. I did it. Do you remember the fact that The Jinx was airing once a week, like a Sunday, and he was arrested the Saturday
1: before the Sunday finale of it where it's revealed that he said that shit. Of course. I mean, I was obsessed with that when it was on. I I was also really fascinated with it because Robert Durst lived in the very small community that I grew up in. I mean, the town that I went to school in that has a population of less than 400 people is where he... Lived during the time that he killed his good friend, that was ultimately the crime that sunk him, right? Yeah, didn't he pretend to be a woman at a certain point to throw people off? That was a thing that he regularly did, but I think the cross dressing was more connected to when he lived in Texas and like dismembered his neighbor. Anyway, fuck this guy. Speaking of people, we are very sad passed away. Betty White
0: weeks shy of her 100th birthday did you catch like i did in florida that
1: people magazine already had run their the 100th birthday cover i know it's very depressing I don't know if I have anything new to add to the Betty White discourse. She was a national treasure, of course. Golden Girls was the original and just like that. Let's not forget. I don't know if you've
0: seen this meme that's been going around, but the actresses were basically the same age as Sarah Diskin Parker, Cynthia Nixon, Kristen Davis, when they started filming Golden Girls. Just so (laughs) fucked
1: up. Yeah, that is a lot to process. Another death that has gotten significantly less public attention is Grace Mirabella, who was the editor-in-chief of American Vogue from the early 70s to the late 80s. She succeeded Diana Vreeland and then was replaced by Anna Wintour. So she was at a very pivotal time in the magazine's history. And her legacy is that she was very pragmatic about fashion. She was all about dressing like the American working woman, Whereas Diana Vreeland, in contrast, was all about like dressing Varushka in like a gold breastplate in the middle of the desert or some shit.
0: Well, I imagine Condi Nass like Grace Mirabella because her photo shoots didn't almost bankrupt the company.
1: (laughs) A lot of in-studio. And like you can tell a Mirabella era Vogue cover is very easy to spot because they all looked exactly the same. They were these very like tightly cropped beauty shots. They were all fabulous, but all like very homogenous. Like I have a few issues that all have Patty Hansen on the cover and they all look exactly the same. Like you could not tell them apart apart from the seasonal makeup. Well,
0: she died at the age of 92. What what a life. She also started Mirabella magazine,
1: which I don't know. I feel like that was at its tail end of relevance when I first started to read magazines like when I was reading 17 and stuff like that. So I never really got into Mirabella. I feel like it was less of a fashion magazine and a little more like lifestyle like for women in their 30s and 40s kind of vibe. Yeah, I'm going to be honest. I've never opened up a Mirabella magazine. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, RIP to this legend. And
0: another death that really hurts is uh, Bob Saget died at 65. Too soon. Well, way too soon. It's also freaky because it's like, I mean, one, for uh, people of a certain age, our age, he's kind of America's
1: dad. He is. I mean, I watched all of those family sitcoms in the 90s, whether it was Family Matters or Step by Step or Fresh Prince, whatever. And Full House was my favorite of those shows for whatever reason. Really? Danny Tanner was my favorite dad. I mean, I always just really loved it. I actually remember I was watching Full House when the O.J. Simpson Bronco chase oh, was happening too. really and I was so pissed that it interrupted full house oh and I was God. like what the fuck is this car I have such a distinct memory of being in
0: the TV room with my mom and being so annoyed that TGIF wasn't on
1: for this <laughs> car chase like what is this I know I was like who is this guy and then they showed a picture of him and I was like oh it's the guy from the naked gun <laughs> movies because that was like my only context for his career and my dad really loved those movies yeah. Danny Tanner, also original girl dad. His character was very uptight and conservative, although arguably lived some sort of sordid polyamorous lifestyle in this house.
0: Do you believe the theory that like Joey and Danny had a gay relationship?
1: Is that a theory that I came up with? Because, (laughs) I mean, look, obviously Uncle Jesse living in the house makes sense, right? But Joey, just this random single guy living in the basement, like someone calls CPS, like this doesn't seem right.
0: A confirmed bachelor, (laughs) if we want to use 1950s code. Yeah. I think everyone was enamored by the fact that he was the host of America's Funniest Home Videos and the dad from Full House, but his actual comedy was incredibly blue, Right. People are always enamored by that, and I'm not sure why. We love dichotomous things.
1: Yeah, but it's like he's an actor. He got a good gig, you know, one that he was still doing up until quite recently with Fuller House. Anyway, rest in power to all of these people, aside from Robert Durst. All right, uh, onward to feuds. What do we want to start with? Uh, this season of feud with Ryan by Ryan Murphy, Andy Cohen versus Bill <laughs> de Blasio. <laughs> I was too busy getting COVID in Vegas to watch this live, but watching it on Twitter the next day was also quite satisfying. Also because
0: I had the saddest New Year's Eve in existence. I was like in bed by 11, so I did not catch this either. But I guess Andy Cohen, after midnight, as they were doing their sign-offs, uh, was a bit, as he would say, overserved for the evening and launched a tirade on Bill de Blasio saying sayonara, sucker. And explaining that the only thing the Democrats and Republicans can agree on is how, he didn't say shitty, but shitty of a mayor he was.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's correct, but I love that the second that Andy mentioned Bill de Blasio's name, Anderson Cooper, like, tried to cut him off, like, he's heard this particular rant 10,000 times. It's refreshing to see someone be this funny on CNN. Like, I'm, I'm used to anchors being overtly biased on cable news, but not in a way that's hilarious and unhinged. And, and true. Yeah. Also, it's like if there's an appropriate time to get drunk on television, this is it, right? Like the New Year's Eve broadcast during the pandemic.
0: The second pandemic New Year's. Oh, God, are we going to have a third one?
1: I don't know. I mean, I'm over it.
0: If they do, I think they need to bring Kathy Griffin back.
1: Yeah, well, you know, she's in Search Party now. Did you get to those episodes?
0: Uh, I did, yeah
1: We'll talk about Search Party later Anyway um,
0: I want to get into a few That I am, have become particularly fascinated with Over the holiday season Which was TikTok versus Paul Thomas Anderson Okay So over the holidays, I noticed this very bizarre discourse going on between TikTok and the director, (laughs) P.T. Anderson. So on one side, it's kind of what you would guess from Gen Z are people accusing Licorice Pizza of pedophilia and calling out the racist Asian subplot that's in the film. But then there's another side that loves Licorice Pizza and is defending these artistic choices. Mm -hmm. But then there's also a variant... (laughs) that are a variant yeah a variant of pt anderson (laughs) discourse on tiktok Um, that are mad at him not because of licorice pizza but because of his mistreatment of Fiona Apple which she detailed in a 2020 New Yorker profile where she called him coldly critical and contemptuous during their relationship and described how he said that she was uh, a bad partner made her look unstable and once shoved her out of a car
1: yeah I didn't actually read this Emily Nussbaum New Yorker profile when it first came out because it came out in March of 2020 (laughs) it came out a full month before February the bolt cutters came out right and i am so glad that i read it we will link to it in the show notes what a juicy juicy article i mean she also said that paul thomas anderson threw a chair across the room after the oscars (laughs) when he lost um best original screenplay he was nominated for boogie nights he lost to matt damon and ben affleck for goodwill hunting (laughs) and i was like okay fair though but Then there's a counter-argument to this, which is
0: people who are cheekily apologizing to Fiona Apple because they like licorice pizza.
1: (laughs) Wait, what?
0: Yes, which this is what I find funny because this is a point that I've always made to you about cancel culture and I will now make for our audience which is we only cancel the things we don't like because if Brett Ratner made a film about a 15 year old boy having a crush on a 25 year old woman who's totally okay with it and then an older white male character does a stereotypically racist Asian accent they
1: would cancel him harder than he's already canceled that's true but licorice pizza is a good movie straight up Also, this Fiona Apple discourse reminds me of the fact that Paul Thomas Anderson very much has a type. Like, when I went to the Licorice Pizza Q&A with him and Alana Heim, I was like, oh, he's in love with her. And then I couldn't help but think back to... How he's also obsessed with Fiona Apple, dated her forever. How he also like loves Joanna Newsom, has directed music videos from her, has cast her in his movies. Like he has a very like he's into that girl. He is. And our
0: favorite Phantom Thread is based on the fact that when he was sick, he noticed Maya Rudolph was nice to
1: him. (laughs) Love that. Anyway, yeah, I mean, he seems like kind of a dick. I don't think TikTok has found the quote where I think it's the New York Magazine
0: profile with Fiona Apple for Fetch the Bolt Cutters where she reveals she stopped doing cocaine after an evening of having to listen to P.T. Anderson and Quentin Tarantino talk.
1: Yeah, I mean, that that would do it. One of my biggest takeaways from the New Yorker profile was that she's in a platonic relationship with some lesbian that lives with her and they have like dogs together and shit. Is this not where we're heading, Joe? Yeah, but we don't <laughs> sleep in the same bed. Like it, and not like, yet. <laughs> God, should we even talk about the next feud? Like, does anyone care? It's so highly specific,
0: but you said this to me over Christmas, and I was like, we gotta talk about it. Okay. Only to mention it because it's so obscure, and there's something weird about like artistic boomers fighting
1: with each other on Instagram. Okay, yes, yeah, so we have a feud in the downtown poetry scene, which is. Uh, <laughs> Poet and writer Eileen Miles versus poet and rock star Patti Smith. Except it's a one-sided feud because Patti has not responded. But basically, Bill de Blasio gave Patti Smith the key to New York City, posted a photo <laughs> of the key on Instagram, and then Eileen commented, yeah, it's like Ezra Pound being honored by Mussolini. Good work, Patty." So if you don't get the reference... Ezra Pound is a famous poet who is also a fascist. Mussolini needs no introduction. So what is the reference that that Patty is an
0: ineffectual neoliberal like de blasio?
1: like what okay, well, I remember Eileen Miles talking shit about Patti Smith in her book Inferno. I don't remember it exactly, but I believe. That Patty pulled some kind of Mariah Carey, I don't know her type response when asked about Eileen Miles, like I maybe by a journalist, and she was like, "Bitch, we know each other." Like that's what I remember from this book. And then I googled Eileen Miles, Patty Smith, because I was trying to find more information about the exact nature of her beef with Patty. What, what did they both fuck, Sam Shepard? I mean, Eileen Miles does not fuck men. I will say that much. <laughs> And basically I found out I found a quote where she described just kids as a puff piece, which <laughs> I think is insane. I mean Fun, I
0: thought
1: funny. I hope her life wasn't worse than it was described in Just Kids. Like because her depiction of her and Robert Maplethorpe living in poverty was harrowing to me. I mean, if I had a time machine, I would go back and like make sure that they had food and like heat. I think Eileen Miles made that statement
0: after she saw that Just Kids was going to be made into a film. And she's like, why
1: not Inferno? I mean, Inferno would make a great movie. These are both books that make you want to take showers. So shall we discuss all the shows we've been watching?
0: This is a rare place where you are far ahead, many shows, and I am catching up. But I got to tell you, Yellow Jackets, I don't know where the fuck I've been, but holy shit, this show,
1: guys. <laughs> Yellow Jackets is so fucking good. Like, I'm completely obsessed with Yellow Jackets. It's my favorite thing that I've watched recently, and it's just so gripping. And fabulous. For those who were like me
0: up until a couple of days ago, Yellow Jackets is basically the Babysitter's
1: Club meets Lord of the Fly meets Lost. I've been describing it as now and then meets Lord of the Flies because it kind of has the structure of now and then where it's older women in the present day reflecting back on their girlhood basically. But in this instance, their girlhood is being in a plane crash and forced to survive in the wilderness for a year and a half. Half where they spoiler alert eat each other at this point. We know they ate at least one of them. (laughs) We know someone got eaten, we don't know who.
0: Anyway, this show is also what makes it different than a lost or something is it's on cable, so they curse. And when you see the wreckage after the plane crash, like people are impaled. People are getting (laughs) limbs chopped off. It's
1: a gory show.
0: And it has all of our Gen X faves. Juliette Lewis is the adult version of one of the characters. So is Christina Ricci. The adult version of the
1: what looks like a Saint Laurent model um, (laughs) punk girl who I'm obsessed with. Oh, that's Natalie, the Juliette Lewis character? Yeah. Love, love her. I would like to believe
0: I'm a Natalie, but unfortunately, I think I'm a Misty.
1: (laughs) Okay, I don't know if you're full Misty. I know you have a drop of Misty in there that I can see. Um, it's such a bizarre role for Christina Ricci. But now who, that I, who wasn't now and then. <laughs> who wasn't now and then. I mean, Christina Ricci is in some of my favorite movies because she was an incredible child actor and then had this really iconic like run of films when she was in her, I guess, late teens, early twenties, that was like the Buffalo sixty-six ice storm era. It's weird they never kind of knew what to do with her. She never really evolved out of being typecast as an angsty teenager, and then of course she naturally aged out of being a teenager i mean she could have been the slutty best friend to kate hudson in a rom-com it's true the last thing i really remember seeing her in was monster although i think that she was miscast in in monster not because i don't think she's a good actor but i don't think christina ricci can play a a convincing butch dyke like she just can't (laughs) conjure up the masculinity that's necessary for a role like that all right. Back to Yellow Jackets. We also have Melody
0: Linsky, who is kind of just like an underrated MVP in like every film you've
1: seen in the last 20 years. She also was in two of my favorite movies back in the day, Heavenly Creatures and But I'm a Cheerleader, iconic queer films.
0: Oh, fuck. I totally forgot about Heavenly Creatures. Well, that I- was
1: her first. that was her first movie. Like she's from New Zealand I know I always think she's American anyway but it's nice to see her playing a leading role again as opposed to a supporting role which is very much her M.O. in recent years Reese
0: Witherspoon's best friend from down home yeah exactly if you are like us you know if you love a a PJ Harvey needle drive
1: (laughs) okay I I love the soundtrack which is all alternative music from the 90s. But it does feel like it was created by an algorithm because every song that they play is like the most popular song by whatever artist it is. It's like the most popular Dinosaur Jr. song or the most popular whole song, whatever. But it does take me back.
0: I cannot believe that Showtime okayed the show. Like I just can't, it's so-
1: Because it's good?
0: Yeah, it's good, but also it's like very- Female, and I just can't imagine the the place that brought you Ray Donovan was like, yeah, let's do an episode about when they're all on their periods in the
1: in the remote wilderness. You're right; it's the it's the kind of thing that would normally be a great idea that would never actually get made. So thank God it got made. It really is the new picnic at Hanging Rock. <laughs>
0: One of your favorite films. <laughs> it's totally. all of your favorite It's things. all of
1: my favorite things yeah. in one show. It's, it's shocking. Also, I mean, can we talk about the fact that this show has like black power lesbians? How fucking cool is that? <laughs> like they need their own spinoff. I hope it doesn't they don't lostify
0: themselves.
1: See, I don't even care like if this show goes off the rails and gets all crazy. It's it's just it's escapist and fun.
0: Well, speaking of escapist and fun and shows that have gone completely off the rails in the best way possible, Search Party, which has been a pandemic find for me.
1: Yeah, me too. I didn't watch it until it was picked up by our beloved HBO Max. And I watched the first four seasons during the pandemic. This is the first one I've watched as it's come out. Search Party is a show that has an amazing
0: premise that I can see how it got sold in the room. But I could not fathom in watching the first season how you could do five seasons of the show. So for those who don't know Search Party, it is about a group of four friends who one of their friends from their past goes missing. And the main character. She has a
1: name. It's Chantal. Chantal. (laughs) The most iconic (laughs) character on television.
0: Chantal goes missing and they go searching for her and it goes horribly awry and
1: yeah it's like hipsters doing Nancy Drew shit
0: it is and that's how it was
1: sold and that's why I didn't initially
0: watch it when it was on TBS but it has so many twists and turns and is one of I feel like not enough people are talking about how this is maybe one of the best satires
1: of current culture right now for sure To me, I really loved the second season of the show when, spoiler alert, they're all complicit in committing a crime. And the second season is them dealing with the aftermath of that. And it's kind of genius because as the audience, you really feel like you also were involved in the crime. So you get like stressed out on their behalf in a way that's really like gripping and fun it also has characters that
0: you never see on television but you've definitely experienced in real life like Chantal Chantal is one of the most accurate wet blanket people that we all have in our lives or have experienced at one point in our lives
1: Yeah, we all know a Chantal because it's the kind of girl that you would feel sorry for if she wasn't such a terrible bitch.
0: I just watched the episode where her therapist makes her leave and she's like, I'd like a hot dog in a cup to the hot dog vendor. He's like, what? And she's like, a hot dog no bun with relish in a cup. This is who this person is.
1: Her therapist played by Jackie Hoffman. That's another great thing about Search Party is the guest star on this show throughout its entire run are just the best character actors ever and fabulous costumes
0: definitely I don't know who the costume designer was but this is obviously someone like us who watched sex in the city and it's kind of showing it on characters of how it was reflected the next 15 years in Manhattan
1: totally but it also kind of reminds me of the costumes in a lot of like gregor rocky movies that oh. are kind of like this like really over the top parody of i guess trendiness in fashion like all of these characters are wearing things that are just like completely fucking ridiculous
0: but everything about it is so brilliantly satirical. I don't know if we can move on to the next show we're going to talk about. But like, speaking of things that are definitely inspired by Gregoraki costumes,
1: but are not
0: <laughs> in a satirical way, yeah, it's
1: it's true. <laughs> Euphoria and Search Party are like on opposite sides of the same spectrum.
0: Yeah, Search Party is a show that's kind of making fun of Euphoria culture, even though it's a show that predates Euphoria.
1: <laughs> so the first episode of the second season is out there are so many dicks and by that we mean full frontal
0: dickage yeah which i understand there's a certain thought that in order to upend or equalize all of the female nudity as seen through the patriarchal gaze that we need the patriarchy to show dicks and i just need to tell you (laughs) i don't need to see a flaccid (laughs) cock
1: i didn't know what guys look like Oh, when When they're they're taking shits? Oh, well. (laughs) No shade to our male listeners. I get it. And I'm sure that girls do things that are like disgusting. Also, I was just a new one for me.
0: And uh, bless Zendaya, who must have the same non-nudity clause as Sarah Jessica Parker, who (laughs) basically forced the writers to write a whole other scene so that she could not take her clothes off in a scene.
1: (laughs) It's totally true.
0: I don't know if you saw this, but Zendaya posted on her Instagram just warning people that like this show could trigger you very much. And like, if it's too much, just don't watch it. It's okay. And it's like,
1: I feel triggered and I have nothing to be triggered by by this show. I mean, this show does make drugs look very glamorous, even though it tries to show the heroin. Reality of addiction it doesn't really succeed because even when Zendaya is like oh Dean she still looks like a model and you're kind of like this seems fun
0: this is seemingly supposed to take place in a suburb of California but I feel like this show should be set in the suburbs of Florida I don't know if you remember the Von Dutch documentary of the girl who's like you know like when I was a freshman I was freebasing and like by the time I was a senior I had overdosed on crack anyway <laughs> yeah i grew up in la i went to high school at an affluent la high school but like i didn't experience this i mean i wasn't cool enough to experience this but also (laughs) this is a trope it must exist in some reality because this is a southern california high school trope that has been portrayed since less than zero and like beverly hills Nine Hundred Two and 90210 where all of these people have the life experience of people in their mid to late 20s at 17.
1: I think it's true and also exaggerated. Right. Like I I was talking about this with Joanna yesterday also about how there really is this lineage of films and television shows like this and every generation has one. Like boomers have like foxes. Gen X has kids. Millennials have 13. skins and 13. Yeah. Exactly. And Gen Z has euphoria which i think is the most blatantly glamorous of all but you know what it's a genre that i love it's a dark depraved uh sub of the coming of age film as told out in harrowing detail <laughs> week by week you were like i wish they had
0: with a lot of first episodes of new series or new seasons they drop a couple episodes and i said
1: to you i couldn't handle another hour of euphoria <laughs> It is really, really intense. Also, back to the costumes on Euphoria, they continue to be so brilliant. I feel like this is the show where I really can't wait to see what everyone's wearing. It feels really tapped into the current moment in fashion in a way that other shows aren't. But of course, it helps that they're dressing what is essentially a cast that that is entirely populated by It Girls. I think the
0: costumes can slightly be explained by the fact
1: that Heidi Bevan's, who is the costume designer, was a
0: stylist, but she was also the costume designer for Spring Breakers.
1: Right. Perfect.
0: Yeah, which might as well be (laughs) the preamble for Euphoria. May I just do a mini rant for a second? Because there's going to be uh, three shows that are coming out this year that I'm not looking forward to, which is this subgenre of tech billionaire scammer prestige limited series. (laughs)
1: Okay. The
0: first one up, and I didn't even fucking know this show was happening, but it's debuting next month. Joseph Gordon-Levitt as the guy that
1: started Uber. Okay, yeah, I've been been seeing ads for that.
0: Okay, we've got the Amanda Seyfried as Elizabeth Holmes limited series. That's the one that Kate McKinnon was supposed to do. Not to be confused with the film version of the book Bad Blood that's Adam McKay and Jennifer Lawrence. Okay. And then we have the Anne Hathaway and Jared Leto as the WeWork husband and wife. I don't need this. (laughs)
1: Yeah, you're right. What I've just
0: outlined for you is 30 hours of prestige television (laughs) from shit that
1: was already a documentary or podcast I've listened to. I don't need it. Well, maybe one of them will be good. We'll see. Moving on.
0: Oh. Well, if you enjoyed those rantings, get ready, guys. It's Hollywood Corner with me,
1: Lauren Garoni. <laughs> okay, what's been happening in Hollywood?
0: Twitter was alight just before the holidays with the news that the famed Arclight Hollywood would be reopening. How this was found out was the Cinerama Dome was applying for their liquor license, so people felt that its reopening was imminent. Except it's not. <laughs> It's not set to open this year, maybe next year. They're going to be refurbishing it, but that's not even Who underway. bought it, though? It doesn't say in this article.
1: You hmm. know why?
0: Because it's me. I bought it. I wish.
1: Okay, so I guess we'll just have to keep going to the Grove.
0: I mean, will we even want to go back to the Arclight once it opens? Yes, the answer is Yes. So, Chelsea, I don't know if you know this, but the Golden Globes happens. Right. If you remember, we collectively as a culture got very mad at the Golden Globes and the Hollywood Foreign Press for their lack of diversity in the ranks of their journalists. So we thought we would teach them a lesson. And NBC said, we're not going to air your show this year. And great job. We got to miss uh, <laughs> Jane Campion win Best Director, only the third woman ever to do so. MJ Rodriguez win for Best
1: Actress. Um, And that guy from Squid Game, who I'm sure would have had some fabulous Roberto Benigni type moment. Yeah, these these are awards that I would really like to see people win. It's a shame and I feel so starved for award shows because of the pandemic. All I want is a normal award show. It sucks because
0: I think, again, culturally, what we could have used was seeing uh, actors in shows we've spent a year watching win awards in pretty outfits. But probably with uh, the new variant of COVID, this award show wouldn't have happened. Right. So we wouldn't have gotten to see the wonderful Gene Smart win for Hacks.
1: Well, you know what also didn't happen? The Scream premiere.
0: Yes, but I love the fact that they canceled it so close to the actual premiere that they all showed up to do a photo call, which is the correct
1: thing to do. Yeah.
0: Poor stylists and everyone making this out. Poor
1: designers. I mean it it all sucks. It all sucks. I feel like I was robbed.
0: Although I'm looking at the winners. I didn't need to see Jason Sudeikis win for Ted Lasso. No, definitely not. Ted Lasso, again. The- I mean, I have
1: no idea who that is, but...
0: Ted Lasso to me is the new Marvelous Mrs. Maisels, which
1: is like a show <laughs> that
0: the more people tell me I should watch it, the more I don't want to watch it.
1: Yeah, that's what I was um, doing with the Queen's Gambit. <laughs>
0: right. So Rooney Mara has been cast to play Audrey Hepburn because we can only make biopics, it would seem. I'm not mad at this. It's it's Luca
1: Guadagnino, who did Call Me By Your Name. Perfect. Love him. Not that I am like the biggest Rooney Mara stan. I mean, she's fine. Like, she's cool. She's Um, more than fine. But I really support this casting because there's not that many people that are thin enough to play this role. (laughs) And Audrey Hepburn's thinness is like not arbitrary like the actor has to be that thin and the only other person that's that thin is lily collins and i definitely don't want it to be her
0: people online were mad that it wasn't lily collins but there is a difference between aesthetic and acting ability yeah and rooney mara aesthetically can get there but rooney mara has the aesthetic for sure and she's got the relationship with
1: so it's a win-win for everyone yeah
0: can't wait to uh fire this up on my apple tv (laughs) All right, Chelsea, we've almost reached the end, which can only mean one thing. card a aholics anonymous
1: This is a case for the FBI. Wow, so much has happened since the last time we talked about the Kardashians. I mean, this could be its own show.
0: It's so hard. It's kind of like high fidelity. Do we go in chronological order? Do we go in the order of (laughs) emotional resonance for
1: us? I think we should do it by person. Okay. And I think we should start with Kim because she's our favorite. So... Kim Kardashian passed the baby bar. Congrats, Kim. We knew you could do it. Is it weird that I'm actually so proud of her?
0: It did take four times. As she says, uh, she failed the exam three times in two years, but she got back up each time. And we should say that the third time she took it, she did have COVID-19 and 104 fever. And actually, I guess you're only allowed to do it, uh, to take the test three times, but they added a additional try due to COVID.
1: So when can she take the bar bar? I don't know. Look, they need something for the new series, okay? (laughs) So apart from that, she is continuing to hang out with Pete Davidson.
0: Which I don't agree with. Like, have a fling, but please, Kim, do not make this a legit relationship.
1: I I disagree. I'm, I'm on, I'm a shipper. They apparently went to the Bahamas, although some fans are convinced that they didn't actually go because they were papped getting on and off the plane in the same outfits and Kim posted one photo during this time that people believe is an old bikini pic because she's sitting next to an old issue of Vanity Fair that has like Anya Taylor whatever the fuck on the cover. Anya Taylor Joy, yes. Yeah.
0: Yeah, but then there were paparazzi photos of Pete at that resort in the Bahamas.
1: Oh, okay. So it's bullshit. Well, I can't... (laughs) So we're spreading lies.
0: I mean, I can't blame Kim for posting an older photo where she looks really fucking hot. I mean, the holidays are hard on all of us.
1: She did unfollow Miley Cyrus, which is interesting.
0: Right, because Pete hosted a New Year's Eve, I was about to say telethon, a New Year's Eve uh, party. I a television
1: special. There we go. That's the yeah. one I was looking
0: for. A television special with Miley Cyrus and then people discovered that Kim had unfollowed Miley. Although, is this one of those things where Because a lot of times people are like, "Oh my god, this celebrity unfollowed this celebrity," and then you learn they they never
1: followed them to begin with. There's proof that she once followed her. Ooh. Moving on to Kanye. Again, it's been so long since we've done this that I never talked about the fact that I did go to the Kanye-Drake benefit for Larry Hoover that was in Los Angeles like a month ago. It was incredible. I had a spiritual experience. It was incredible just because Kanye West is an incredible artist and his set was amazing, but also it was just amazing being in a stadium full of people after this whole ass pandemic. It felt like you were in church just because of the gathering aspect of it, you know, and the fact that he was talking about Jesus and God and shit, but whatever. And yeah, Drake is someone that I would never go and see necessarily, but it was fun. It was fun to see him. Plus, my favorite Drake song is Forever, which features Kanye West. So seeing that was incredible. Is this the concert where he begged Kim
0: to come back?
1: Yeah, he interjected a lyric when he was doing Runaway where he was like, I want you to run back to me, especially Kimberly. Like everyone screamed, including me. And then I realized like, wait, Kim is here. This is pretty fucked up, actually, and like manipulative. I don't know. Is it any more fucked up than one of
0: the Donda concerts where she came out in a wedding dress? Like, yeah. At this point, it's all performance art. And Kanye has taken performance art and tabloid culture to I think it's apex with this whole Julia Fox thing.
1: Yeah, he met New York It girl Julia Fox on New Year's Eve. and uh, In
0: Miami, but then they went to New York
1: to see Slate play
0: together and that's when that like photo shoot in the restaurant that everyone was clapping for
1: right. happened. Yeah, Kanye basically set up this photo shoot and then shopped it I mean, not shopped it, like gave it to Interview Magazine. And uh, it caused a sensation. I think it's really fascinating because we're used to see the Kardashians being very strategic about releasing images either on their own social media profiles or using the tabloids or TMZ or people or whatever. But this is kind of a new thing to essentially art direct a shoot that was fairly artistic, And just give it to a magazine, a hip magazine
0: that was willing to publish it within the day that they got it like a tabloid would. Yeah. It feels like it's this next evolution of just the collapsing of editorial fashion and paparazzi culture. But this has existed since the birth of Hollywood, actually. Totally. But it's just come back around because we had to pretend like things weren't this way. I think it's genius And it got its intended effect. People haven't shut the fuck up about this in five days.
1: Well, the images are also good. Also, I think Julia Fox has single-handedly brought back hip huggers. You don't think Euphoria High brought this aesthetic back? I think that her look was very solid. And these are brilliant fashion images. We should also note that Kanye and Julia Fox are outfitted by Balenciaga as per Uge.
0: And now also this Yeezy Gap engineered by Balenciaga, which I
1: don't understand what this is. I mean, it's just a three-way collab, I guess. My thing with Yeezy Gap is that I think it would be much more subversive if these pieces were just readily available, like you could just buy them. It wasn't about scarcity, Right, that they're not applying drop culture to the gap. Yeah, like I think it would be incredible if it was like, no, these are the new foundational garments for americans or or whatever um this is just this is the new levi 501 like this is the new champion hoodie but i hate that everything is so scarce everything's always sold out i just i find it to be really annoying and i think that the balenciaga collaboration will inevitably be even more exclusive when i feel like it would be way more major if they just went full mass market with it
0: all right shall we move on to chloe uh, chloe so tristan has confirmed that he fathered another child while being with chloe i didn't know this part till i was looking into the story the other night that he hooked up with this woman on his
1: own birthday last year Ugh, god he's such a piece of shit And then he obviously rumors of this came out or how did this initially come out? Did the tabloids figure this out? Oh, yeah. Don't worry. Us Weekly exclusively ran that uh, his
0: baby mama had given birth in December and she was suing him for child support.
1: And then no one commented on it. And then maybe like a week ago or something, Tristan posted a couple of Instagram stories. You know, an Instagram story is going to be a bad apology when it's just like the Instagram stories that are black with like a lot of white text. Today, paternity test results reveal that I fathered a child with
0: Marilee Nichols. I take full responsibility for my actions. I didn't a month ago, but now I do. So that's one. And then the second one is dedicated to Chloe.
1: So rude.
0: Chloe, you don't deserve this. Does he mean the Instagram apology or just everything in general? You don't deserve the heartache and humiliation I have caused you. You don't deserve the way I have treated you over the years. My actions certainly have not lined up with the way I view you. No, I think they do perfectly align with the way you view her. I have the utmost respect and love for you. Regardless of what you may think, again, I am so incredibly sorry. So, this is obviously a man who's not getting his calls returned.
1: What a piece of shit. Also, if you're going to do something so public and performative like this, at least like put it in the main feed. Don't put it on stories (laughs) where it goes away. I thought you were going to say, you know, pull a Kanye, get a hologram of Robert Kardashian to deliver this apology to (laughs) Chloe. Yeah, it just seems like deeply disrespectful. I really hate him. And it sucks that... This is happening after this last season of Keeping Up with the Kardashians, which was basically like they tried to pull a Tristan rebrand, right? They tried to bring him back into the fold only for him to do this. No, that's fully on Chloe.
0: She needs to pull a Kendall or a Kylie and just keep her men off the show. Yeah. All right. Lastly, we also got the reveal of the new Hulu show name.
1: The Kardashians. Makes sense. Plus two Jenners. (laughs) Like what? <laughs> They're the not Kar- all Gen- Kardashians. The Cargenners. The Kar-Geners. It's called The Kardashians Do We Have a Release Date? We basically just got one little video promo that they released I think on New Year's Eve or New Year's Day.
0: All it says is it could premiere in, in early twenty twenty two. What does that mean?
1: I feel like they can't sit on it for that long if they want this show to be timely, which keeping up with the Kardashians wasn't timely enough, given the tabloid news cycle.
0: We're certainly guaranteed to see the relationship of Courtney and Travis.
1: As well as Pete and Kim. They've filmed their date in Staten Island. Like, it's on the show. No. Yes, they're filming all that shit, which is why, while Kanye's stunt with Julia Fox seems like a dig at Kim in a way that's maybe like insensitive or tacky it's like he also knows that she's already been doing this essentially it just hasn't come out yet
0: where does this all lead to I feel like this leads to Kim and Kanye having to have like a duel to the death like it's like it's
1: (laughs) matching Balenciaga fencing outfits (laughs) yes sounds great
0: all right guys that's it we'll be back in just a few days with another and just like that recap with our fave carrie dragshaw so see you then bye bye